My name's Dan, I'm part of the leadership team here at the church, and um, today marks the, the final week in our series called Life in the Spirit. We've been um, exploring the person of the Holy Spirit and, and how, we li- how to live filled with the Spirit, expectant that we're going to see God move in amazing ways, and willing to step out for the things, and the plans and purposes that God has for us in advancing his kingdom here in this city, in this region, and to the nations. And uh, Luke shared last week, wherever Luke is, um, about, about growing in faith, about standing on God's word. I, I love what he had to say about the, the corridor of faith. Do you remember that? Uh, about faith is not about how you live when you walk into the promises of God, but actually it is about the journey and how you live by faith, waiting to see God's promises come to fulfillment. You know, God is interested in the long haul. James 1, 4 says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, when we do a series like this, um, when we, say, we talk about what God is able to do, it can sometimes create this unwanted tension. You know, we, we read about the, the Holy Spirit, we read about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the, you know, the book of Acts and the other books and in the New Testament. And we hear stories of how people have stepped out and seen God move in incredible ways. And, and, and we're excited. You know, there's, there's days where we leave this, this room, God, I'm ready for this. And then Monday comes, back to normality, back to being surrounded by people who don't follow Jesus, not full of faith and and, and we would say, you know, hey, my, you go for another week and you get back on a Sunday morning and you think, living by the Spirit, my, my life in the last week has felt like anything but supernatural. You know, when the enthusiasm dies down, when we don't see what we hoped to happen, we can give up. Uh, life in the Spirit is not about getting everything right. Most of the time it is about keeping going. James writes about this. He uses a word called perseverance. God is changing us one day at a time. And often it doesn't feel like anything special. It doesn't feel like there's a lot happening. Sometimes it might even feel like we're going backwards, and yet God's word tells me in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. Glory to glory. And it says, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know what? I am more like Christ today than I was yesterday. That's true of you. That, and that process of being made like Christ is one day going to be complete. You know, your success as a follower of Jesus is not about how productive your life is. It's not about how effective you are as a Christian. It's not about being successful in the eyes of the world. But our call is to faithfulness. There was a Christian missionary called William Carey. He, he left England to become a missionary in, in India in 1793. His life was not easy. Uh, three of his seven children died while they were still young children. He, his wife suffered horrendously with severe mental illness. He didn't, when he got to India, he didn't see anyone converted for seven years, the first seven years of his ministry. And yet he was faithful to what God called him to. He opened up India to missionaries. By the end of his life, thousands had come to know God. Anyone from India today? Anyone from India? Yeah? 
William Carey goes there. And then what we see is then the Bible. He translates the Bible into a number of languages. He sees, he opens up this well to missionaries to go and preach the gospel, to see India impacted with the gospel. And his motto, which is quite a famous one, you may have heard it, he said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. But towards the end of his life, uh, William Carey was asked, what is his greatest gift? And William Carey responded, Mr. Carey, I always like it when people talk in third person, we should do it more. Mr. Carey's greatest gift was that he knew how to plod. If you're, if you're not familiar with that, plodding is just very slowly going forward. Life in the spirit is about daily turning up. It doesn't start with often, I hope it's not, I mean, if it's your experience, amazing, but it doesn't happen with a miraculous healing the first time you pray for someone. It doesn't happen with the first time you share your faith, someone going, why didn't you tell me sooner? Of course I want to follow Jesus. It often looks like mumbling your way through a conversation and thinking, what a mess I made of that. It often means going to pray for someone and then quickly darting out the room as you pray out loud while they just stand there watching you. And yet as we do that, as we are faithfully step out in the ordinary, as we plod through life, we begin to grow and we begin to see God moving in power. What does faithfulness, what does faithfully following God look like? I want to share a story with you today that we read about in Ezekiel 47. If you've got your Bibles, you might just want to sit with that in front of you as we go through. Ezekiel was in the kingdom of Judah. He was a priest in the temple until, uh, in Jerusalem until uh, 597 BC, um, when along with him, along with thousands of others, they were forcibly removed from their homeland. They were taken to, by the Babylonians to Babylon. Uh, Ezekiel is in exile, Ezekiel exile, didn't think that through, Um, and he is in Babylon, and he knows that the temple back home in Jerusalem, it lays in ruins, and yet also at the same time as this, the same time as he's in exile, there's some prophets, some of them still back in Judah like Jeremiah, who is writing prophetically about how one day God is going to restore the temple that is in ruins. That one day the temple would return. And in this moment of exile, when things look bad, Ezekiel starts to see visions. God starts to speak to him while he is in exile. And for almost 20 years, he prophesies about what God is going to do. Amazing that he's living in this tough moment. And for 20 years, he faithfully prophesies. He doesn't get impatient. He faithfully prophesies, this is what God is going to do. Most famously, probably, is that in, he sees in chapter 37, he sees the valley of dry bones. And he says, you know, these bones are going to live again. And Ezekiel's final vision is in, starts in chapter 40 and works through to 48. And he sees the vision of the temple. Of a, not a, a temple in ruins anymore, but a restored temple. And he is taken on a tour of this temple by a man whose appearance, he says, is, was like bronze. Ezekiel 40, 3 to 4, I think we've got the verses should come up. I saw a man whose appearance was like bronze. 
He was standing in the gateway with a linen cord and a measuring rod in his hand. And the man said to me, son of man, look carefully and listen closely. Pay attention to everything I'm going to show you, for that is why you have been brought here. Tell the people of Israel everything you see. So this this man of bronze turns up with a measuring rod. We're told elsewhere that this measuring rod is uh, six cubits long, um, which is about 10 feet. And as I'm six foot five, this is quite similar. (laughs) There's no need to laugh that hard. Okay. (laughs) Um, So what happens is, So this man of bronze takes Ezekiel to different parts of the temple. And and Ezekiel, he he stops in different parts and says, Ezekiel, what do you see? And he starts to speak out what he sees. And this happens from chapter 40 right through to to chapter 48. And in Ezekiel 47, uh, he is taken to the back door of the temple. What do you see? And he sees water trickling out of the temple. And the man of bronze leads Ezekiel uh, from the temple to follow where the water is flowing. The the man of bronze uses his measuring stick and he he measures out uh, a thousand cubits. It's about a third of a mile. And the water level, which was trickling, he measures it out, gets there. It's now at ankle level. And so he carries on, he carries on walking and, and, and as they walk, he measures out another thousand cubits, so another third of a mile, and he realizes the water that was a trickle is now knee height. And he keeps walking and he measures out another thousand cubits. Another third of a mile. We're nearly a mile. Goes on a mile walk. And at this point, the river is too high for him to carry on walking. The trickle has got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now it's deep enough for him to swim in. This trickle that came from the temple is now a river. And the man of bronze then takes Ezekiel out of the water. I quite like having a stick to rest on. I'm going to put this down. He takes him out of the water and he sets him onto the banks. Ezekiel, what do you see? And he sees many trees on the riverbank. And the water is flowing into the Arabah. The, the Arabah is in the, is the Jordan Valley. And um, it was once where water flowed, but it had dried up. And then it flows from the Arabah into the Dead Sea. The Arabah, the, the word Arabah means dry place. In this picture, the Arabah, the dry place, is no longer a desert, but Ezekiel sees a river flowing through it. This river is bringing life wherever it flows. The trees, it tells us, they are green in every season. The creatures are living in the water. The dry place has come to life because of the water that flowed out of the temple. And Ezekiel sees further than that. The river carries on going. It doesn't just stay in the Arabah, but it keeps flowing into the Dead Sea. And you may know about the Dead Sea, incredibly high salt level. It means it's incompatible for life. Plants and animals cannot flourish in the environment, hence why it's called the Dead Sea. 
but the river is flowing from the temple, it's flowing through the Arabah, and it's flowing into the Dead Sea, and it brings with it life. It tells us that there are fishermen. In this picture, he sees fishermen beside the water. There are creatures in the water. The trees are growing, and he sees that they are bearing fruit. And it tells us that the leaves on these trees bring healing. These are not normal trees. This river flowing from the temple is not a normal river. This is a miraculous river. It is making dry places alive again. It is making, bringing dead things to life. Miracles are happening because the water is flowing from the temple. How does this story help us live faithfully with the supernatural? How do we live faithfully a spirit-filled life? The first thing we learn from this story is Ezekiel follows what God is doing. He watches the river and he allows God to move, not knowing where it will lead him. If we're going to step out in the Holy Spirit, then we are going to have to allow ourselves to be inconvenienced. You know, he's spoken about the gifts of the Spirit. God is wanting to equip us. He's wanting to use us for his glory to advance the kingdom. But if you want to receive gifts, then you have to be willing to use them. You have to be active in stepping out, active in taking risks, risking failure. I believe that God wants to move, but so often we limit him by our own schedule. Often we're just too busy to see what God is doing. Isaiah doesn't just walk past, he notices the trickle. He notices what God is doing. Sometimes we have to slow down and look. God might be giving you a word of knowledge for someone, in the street, but you're so busy rushing to your next schedule that you don't have time to stop and share it. Ezekiel sees the water flowing. He sees God doing something and he follows. Second thing we learn from Ezekiel is that the temple is the place that sends the blessing. The temple is the place where God is present. If you know your Old Testament, you'll know before the temple we had the tabernacle. But for Ezekiel, the temple was the place where God met with his people. The vision that Isaiah sees is that the surrounding areas receive a blessing because of what flows from the temple. The trickle that comes from the temple becomes a river. You know, so often when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about how we can, we, we might not say these words, but what we're really saying is how can we make our gatherings more exciting? If we limit the Holy Spirit to what God is doing in an hour and a half, 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, we miss so much because God is wanting to, us to be a blessing with everyone we meet throughout our week. Of course we want to gather. Of course we want to gather together on a Sunday and we want to encounter God. Of course we do. But if it is restricted to our gatherings, we miss out on so much. And we also deny our city the blessing that is there for them. You know, when the river of God moves, it leaves our meetings and it impacts the city. How is God wanting to use you to be a blessing? In this city, in this region, is this place a better place because you are in it? Is the kingdom advancing through you as you leave this place? And that takes me nicely onto the next thing about living faithfully. Because I think Ezekiel teaches us that most, thing, most things in the kingdom start small. The river we see is not a river when it leaves the temple. 
It's a trickle. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Ezekiel doesn't see the implications of the water flowing until he has walked nearly a mile with the man of bronze. It starts with him following a trickle. We have sometimes taken the metrics of the world to evaluate the effectiveness of the church. Does, you, does it have a nice website? You've got a strong social media presence. How many people attend your church? How fast are you growing? How much is in your bank account? How many YouTubes does your live stream get? If we tick those boxes, then we're a successful church. I don't believe those are the metrics of the kingdom. Micah 8 says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And what does Jesus say? Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit a kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we say you hung- see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did you see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. You did it to me. You know, the metrics of the kingdom often don't look impressive. When you serve those in need, when you care for the poor, when you go above and beyond You won't find yourself on the front page of the paper. But the trickles of the kingdom bring life. God could be about to do something great. It might look small. But if we don't follow the trickle, then we never see the river. What is the small thing that God is calling you to be faithful with in this moment? Are we willing to follow the trickle or do we give up? That is a question for us individually, but it's also a question for us as a church family, especially as we push into new areas of ministry, as we push into church planting. Are we willing to give ourselves for the long haul to the small things or do we give up quickly if it doesn't look successful, if it's tough work? I believe through following what God is doing, And being faithful to his call, we will see him do mighty things. We need the faith to step out, to take that first step when God is moving, when the trickle begins. Don't wait for it to become a river to then go, oh, I see what God's doing. Because the river never comes. He He chooses to partner with us and he invites us. Here's a trickle, will you follow it? Are we willing to follow the trickle or do we give up? The fourth thing we learn from from Ezekiel's vision is that the presence of God changes everything. The trickle turns into a river and it brings life to the dry places. First to the Arabah, the, the place that once flowed but it is now dry, and then to the Dead Sea, the place that was completely dead, now experiencing life. You know, Hull is a place that used to be spiritually alive. The only thing is you have to go back a few hundred years. 
17th century, Hull was a hotbed for the Puritans. The mid-19th century, Hull had a spiritual awakening through uh, the Anglicans and the the Methodists. At one point, around 57% of our city was attending church. You know, we find ourselves on the site of where the Methodists gathered, and they first started gathering here, 1814. Much like the Arabah, though, what we find today is dryness. Ezekiel saw water that brought life. So far, Ezekiel is seeing a vision of a temple restored. Later in the Old Testament, that in the book of Ezra, we find God's people returning from exile to rebuild the physical temple in Jerusalem, the place where God uh, would dwell with his people. And yet there was a promise that one day God's presence would not be limited to a temple, but would be found in a person. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word could mean he tabernacled with us. Or for the purposes of this, he templed with us. Jesus becomes the temple, God's presence with us. As Jesus walks the earth, God's presence is visible. And then Jesus promises that when he ascends into heaven, he would remain by sending his Holy Spirit. And what is more, that the world would be changed by the presence of God. No longer is his presence limited to a place, but the world would be impacted by the presence of God. At Pentecost, the disciples are in the upper room and the Holy Spirit falls on them. No longer is the presence of God limited to a temple, but what we see is they open up the doors and it flows into the streets. The disciples, they are filled with the Spirit. They leave the room and they start sharing the good news of Jesus. Peter preaches, 3,000 saved in one day. This message travels to the region and beyond. The call that Jesus gave in Matthew 28 to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth has begun. And we are here today because that message went to the ends of the earth. That same Holy Spirit that flowed out of the upper room has brought life to us. Incredible. Ezekiel's vision is that the presence of God would not be limited to a temple, but would be everywhere. We see this happening with the first disciples, and we see it happening today. As we live lives full of the Holy Spirit, brimming over, we see dry places receiving life. Places that used to flow but are now dry, receiving the presence of God afresh. Our city can receive a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Imagine 57% of our city attending church. Wow. But the river goes far beyond our city or even our nation. The river that Ezekiel sees flows out of the temple into the Arabah, the dry place, and then into the Dead Sea, the dead place. It's not a dry place anymore. It's full of water. And then the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is not dry like the Arabah. It's full of water, but there's no life. There are places in our world full of spirituality full of life. They are aware of the spiritual realms, but they're not turning to Jesus. There is spiritual life, but it's not life in the Holy Spirit. If we want to be faithful to God, 
if we want to follow what he is doing, if we want to live supernatural lives, then we better be prepared that that will mean sending people to places that are dead. The presence of God flowing through us, from us into the city, but then further afield as we church plant into dry and dead places. Now is not the time to play it safe. Our city needs to hear the good news of Jesus. And we believe the best way to establish communities of faith is to church plant. We are planted into the east of the city with River City. We've gone north with Freedom Church. Where next? At the moment, we're exploring West Hull and opportunities there. And in September, we launched some new activities into the Edinburgh Street, Woodcock Street area. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know if it's going to be a church plant, but we believe it's a trickle and we're going to see what God does. We're going to do the same in the East Cluster, in Hedden and out that area. And we will continue. But I also believe we're going to send people to those Dead Sea places. The places full of spirituality, but not of the Holy Spirit. As part of Regions Beyond, we are committed to reaching unreached people groups. Places where there is no contact with followers of Jesus. And that will involve us praying. It will involve us partnering financially. For some of us, it may even mean going. Because the river flowing from the temple, the river that brings life, it's not for us. But we see that the trees, the growth happens, it says that they are the healing for the nations. We are here to see lost people welcomed in to the kingdom. Are we willing to follow the trickle of what God is doing in order to see a fulfillment? Would you stand with me? I don't know about you, but um, I've been through many, many teaching series in church. I've taught many, many teaching series in church. And so often, we, can, we treat them like podcast shows do, where we've, okay, I've listened to that archive. You know, on my phone, when I... I like listening to podcasts, and when I've listened to it, it says played under it. And then it means that when I go through what I've... It doesn't appear there anymore, because all I see is the, the new stuff. And, and so often I can forget, forget what I've listened to. And so as we go back into worship, my appeal to you is, through this series, as we've learned who the Holy Spirit is, as we've learned what the Spirit is wanting to do... Let's not consign this to the archive. But let us ask afresh, God, what does faithfulness look like? Make a commitment today. God, faithfulness for me today is going to mean this. Whatever that is for you. It's going to be different for every single one of us. But my appeal to you is to see the trickle. 
See what God is doing. And then have the willingness, the faith, the obedience to follow him. See what he does. I just dare you. See what he does. Sometimes when I'm in, when I'm in worship, I'm sorry if I freak any of you out. I like to just look around. It, it raises my faith. Um, but also, it reminds me. It reminds me of what God is doing. Sometimes we, we look and we laugh because we had no idea. Central Methodist Hall, impact into the city, people coming to faith. We had no idea. And yet, the faithfulness of people like you, who are willing to go on the journey that God called them to, to follow the trickle, we are starting to impact the city, and there is more. There is more. Would you join me in praying? I want to pray that faith levels would rise. And I I want to pray that we would have the boldness and the courage to step out into the plans and purposes of God. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are on the move. And Lord, I, I pray for each of us here today. I pray that you would give us fresh faith for this season. Lord, I pray you would give us spiritual eyes to see what you are doing. Lord, help us see the trickles today. Help us to see where you are starting to move. And Lord, I pray that there will be the courage for us to follow it. The courage for us to follow whatever you are doing. However small and insignificant it looks, would you speak to us? Would you call us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you give us the strength to follow you? In the name of Jesus. Amen.